Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad to see everybody here today. It's uh, great to be together with God's people in God's house as we worship the Lord together this morning. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God. Let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to uh, take that and to fill them out so we can have a record of your attendance with us. And especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, uh, please put your email address on there and uh, we'll get you on that list uh, uh, to receive our email newsletter that goes out each week. It's a great way to keep up with the opportunities of fellowship and service and worship uh, here at Community Baptist. Speaking of which, we have uh, several things that are coming up and and recently passed. We just had Mark Weaver, who was here during Sunday school hour, uh, who was talking to us about um, about giving and about some different options of giving, and uh, we thank him for that. It was a wonderful time together, and he has offered anyone to uh, to come in and make an appointment and sit down with him for an hour just to discuss some some options about. You know, uh, estate planning and things like that, some ways that you can use uh, your money now to uh, benefit uh, your church or whatever later on. And so uh, please take advantage of that. Uh, t- uh, go and see Mark and, and, uh, and, and allow, allow him to take a look at what your situation is and, and uh, find ways. Huh? No charge. That's right. No charge for that. Thank you, Pam, for, uh, for, for reminding me of that. Uh, some other things are coming up. I see there's something happening tonight. What was it? Super Bowl. Super Bowl that's right. Super Bowl. I, I don't know if you saw on my Facebook page um, uh, a, a day or two ago, I put up there uh, that we should be ex- as excited about church as we are about Super Bowl. So when your pastor makes a point, throw a bucket of Gatorade over his head. <laughs> I was quick to put under there, just kidding. <laughs> okay, but Super Bowl is tonight, and so we will be meeting here at 5.30. I think that's kickoff. We'll have the biggest screen in town, and we'll, have a, we'll watch the game together, just bring some tailgate food. And if you'd like to bring a, a can of soup, it is Super Bowl, bring a can or two of soup, and we'll uh, give that to Christian Outreach. Yay. <laughs> and... Uh, and we'll just have a good time together. Also this week, we have the blood drive on Wednesday. If you would like to donate or volunteer, please see Jika. And our uh, Wednesday service time, our Wednesday service has changed a little bit. We will not be having dinner this Wednesday, nor will we be here for Bible study or anything on Wednesday. Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and we are having a joint Ash Wednesday service with First Christian Church and with Zion UCC and anybody else who wants to show up. Uh, but it will be at First Christian Church at 6.15 on Wednesday. So don't show up here on Wednesday except to give blood. And do that early so that you can come to First Christian at 6.15 and we'll have that time together. Uh, and I think that's about all the announcements I want to bring to you today. But it is good to be here with you. It is a joy to share this time of worship and fellowship together. So let me invite you to stand and share the joy of Christ with one another.
Please pray with me. Loving God, O Lord of our household of faith, we thank you for the gift of faith worked within us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for having called us to yourself and to the body of Christ. We thank you for having set us apart to the sacred ministry of being Christ's presence in the world today. In his name and with his compassion, we pray for all people and all nations that in every land justice is sought and achieved. Give shelter to those who flee from violence. Give food to those who are starving. Give care to those who are sick and dying. And give us hearts of compassion for those who struggle each day just to survive. We also pray for people in our nation. Restore in us, O God, a desire for humility and respect for others and the willingness to set aside our interests for the community to flourish. Bind our tongues from speaking hatred and turn our ears from those who preach hate. Give us the willingness to be your agents of peace and justice and healing and unity that we so desperately need. Help us, O God, to comfort those who grieve the death of loved ones, those dying in old age and those whose lives have ended tragically in their youth. Strengthen us to offer compassion in the face of mourning and let our presence be reminders of your love and of your promise of resurrection hope. We pray for those who have special needs today, to those who have suffering and weakness. We pray that you give them strength and health. To those who are disturbed or troubled, we pray that you would ease their minds and give others understanding. To those who are lonely and alienated, give them fellowship and love. And to those who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, give rest in knowing that our lives are always lived in you. All these requests, O God, we give to you now. And those that we name silently in our hearts, we give you thanks for the gift of life and the blessings that we receive in this life. And we pray for your presence to lift lift us up as we worship you today. Amen. Good morning. What do I dream? And what do you dream? Today an old man dreams of winning a football game. And a young man dreams that dream also. A man of great courage gave a speech about his dream, a speech we are familiar with and have lived to witness some of the reality of his dream to come true. Joseph, Daniel, and even Pilate's wife had dreams. We know of their stories and how they took their dreams to change, to make it better for others. With these dreams come hard work, sacrifice, and dedication. Dedication to making our lives, our surroundings better. What do I dream? Well, as a child in, young child in grade school, I dreamed of being a teacher. 
In high school, I dreamed of being an airline stewardess. As a mother, I dreamed of my child being able to walk again. As a re- soon to be into my retirement, I dream of visiting all 50 states and seeing the Greek Isles. But my dream for CBC is to continue to make an impact on the souls that walk through these doors and the ones that are outside these doors and the ones that are yet to come. I see them at my workplace. I see them while I'm driving across that money-saving bridge every day. I see them on the newscast. I see them at the middle of this basketball court and at cheerleading practice. I dream of us being a place to recharge the many created souls so we can show and share the love of Christ to a world that will forever need to know. I dream of us being not only a mirror to reflect God's love, but also a prism where the light shines through us to create and show love to all colors.
Today's scripture reading is from the book of Luke, chapters 4, verses 16 through 21. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. 
pray with me. Gracious God, thank you for loving us. Gracious God, thank you for guiding us. Gracious God, thank you for our church home and our church family. God, please test us on our spirit of giving and help us find where our heart is on our giving and our serving. Please accept these tithes and offerings to use in your kingdom. We ask this in your name. Amen.
Nice. All right, true confession. How many of you felt like getting up and doing a Jewish dance? <laughs> that was wonderful. By uh, one of my favorite musicians, Ken Miedema, and one of my favorite people. Uh, what, a, what a great man he is. And Thank you, choir. All right, we got that up there, guys. Now, where's the first graph? There he is. Anybody recognize who this guy is? <laughs> he uh, uh, he has a lot in common with with Mark. You know, he's. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, <laughs> Sue, Sue Barry was called away, so she couldn't do the uh, children's moment, and he just jumped right up there and and did a comedy routine. So, <laughs> we're great. Thanks, Mark, for that. By the way. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield, this is that, that self-deprecating comedian who made a, a handsome living with one little catchphrase. You remember what that was? I don't get no respect. Adjusting his tie. He's always adjusting his tie. Rodney Dangerfield would say, I don't get no respect. I tell you, when I was a kid, I, 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 I knew what was, what was rejection was all about. My yo-yo, it never came back. And with my dog, I don't get no respect. He keeps barking at the door. I don't, he don't want to go out. He wants me to leave. And I asked my old man if I could go ice skating out on the lake. And he told me, wait till it's warmer. I tell you, I don't get no respect. He said, once when I was lost, I saw a policeman and I asked him to help me find my parents. And I said to him, do you think we'll ever find them? And the policeman said, I don't know, kid. There are so many places for them to hide. Rodney Dangerfield was making light of, of a certain truth in our society, and that is that, that, that some people simply aren't given much respect. Have you noticed that? A lot of women know what I'm talking about. Members of minorities know what I'm talking about. People on welfare know what I'm talking about. The newspapers carried an article about a, a junior high school 13-year-old boy who always carries a gun with him. And when asked why he carries this gun, he said, if I pack a gun, I'm going to get respect. When you hear an inner city youth say that they've been dissed, you've heard that phrase. It's shorthand for being disrespected. And it seems that above all else, they want respect. And don't we all? The truth is, though, that there are people who go through their entire lives and never really feel respected, particularly among those who are closest to them. Now, I'm not going to ask if there is anyone here who was eager to leave home as, as a youth because you never felt like the people in your own family respected you. And I'm not going to ask if anyone here couldn't wait to leave high school and get off to college because you didn't feel that your peers gave you the respect that you deserved. They never listened to you. They didn't even seem to know you were in the room. And I imagine that there is someone here today who even as an adult doesn't feel that you are respected where you work or at home. Maybe you feel taken for granted or maybe even taken advantage of. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
And I wonder if it didn't strike a painful chord with many women a number of years ago when the great Aretha Franklin sang R-E-S-P-E-C-T. All I'm asking for is a little respect when you come home. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I imagine all of us hunger for respect from time to time. We hunger for people to listen to us. We hunger for people to take our ideas seriously or, or to care about how we feel. And, and when we are disrespected, we lose our sense of self-esteem, our sense of worth. We feel dishonored as a person. Some of us are granted that respect and others are not. But maybe you will find some encouragement from this. You see, even Jesus had a hard time finding respect from those who were closest to him. There's a bizarre little statement in Mark 3.21 at the beginning of Christ's ministry that says that when Jesus' family heard about his teachings and his casting out of demons, they went to take charge of him for, they said, he is out of his mind. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Jesus' own family wanted to put him away because they thought he was crazy. Talk about no respect. And then, then we have our lesson for today in, in which Jesus returns to his hometown in Nazareth. And he teaches in the synagogue. And I, I always like to say that this is his inaugural sermon. This is his inaugural sermon there. This is his the first sermon that all of us preacher types do in our home church, you know. This is, this is it. And he, so he goes to his home church in Nazareth. He teaches in the synagogue. And it says that when he went to Nazareth where he, he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as it was his custom, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then, said Luke, he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened upon him. They were expecting him to teach, to expound upon that. That's the, that was the position of a, of, a, of a teacher, was sitting. And so they expected him to expound, expound upon what he had just read. And everybody was looking at him, and he began by saying this. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your presence. Reading on in this passage, we discover that the home folks were pretty impressed. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. You can kind of see the hometown pride beginning to swell in them. A local boy was doing well, but then, then they thought about what he had just said. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The implication of that comment was pretty obvious. Jesus was making the claim that he was the Messiah. 
And as they continued to listen, Jesus' friends and neighbors suddenly turned on him. These were the people who had watched Jesus grow up. He was the boy that they saw running around and playing games and being like every other boy in the neighborhood. How could Joseph's son be the Messiah? Maybe he speaks well. Maybe he's even... Maybe he even heals people, but he can't be the Messiah. We know his daddy. He's just a carpenter's son for crying out loud. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. No prophet, he said, is acceptable in his own hometown. And by the time he was finished speaking, we read that all of the people in the synagogue were furious at him. And they got up, they drove him out of town and took him up to the brow of the hill in order to throw him over the cliff. Wow! What a remarkable response to your first sermon. (laughs) They were going to kill him because they didn't like what he was saying. Thank you so much for not doing that. I was worried about Gatorade. They were going to kill him because they didn't like what he was saying. Well, he escaped, of course, but the lesson is clear. Among his own people, Jesus couldn't get any respect. So just remember that if you happen to be a person who doesn't feel like others respect you. You're in good company. Jesus understands. He's been where you are. But let's talk a little bit about the subject of respect for a few moments this morning. Jesus may not have needed to earn people's respect, but maybe you and I do. So how do you become a person who is respected? I mean, after all, positions don't necessarily guarantee respect, do they? Titles don't guarantee respect. Age doesn't guarantee respect. Experience doesn't guarantee respect. So how do we become people who are respected? Well, it's actually very simple. The first step to being respected by others is this. Respect yourself. Respect yourself. Many years ago, the staple singers voiced this idea when they sang, respect yourself. Respect yourself. If you don't respect yourself, ain't nobody going to give a good kahoot. No, 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 (laughs) no. My friends, respect is earned. It's not given. And regardless of your age or your gender or your race or your ethnicity, anyone can earn respect by conducting himself or herself with dignity and with character. Let me give you something to think about. Our society over the past several decades has has done a tremendous job helping our young people with their self-esteem. We've been telling our boys and girls that they're wonderful, that they are capable of doing great things, and that's true. They, They are wonderful and they are capable. And studies show that most young people have listened to that. Measures of self-esteem are at the highest level that they have ever been. However, There's a difference between self-esteem and self-respect. Self-esteem has to do with how you feel about yourself. Self-respect has to do with the kind of person you are. Are you a person of honor? 
Can people trust you? Are you the kind of person who seeks to do the right thing whether someone is looking or not? Self-respect has to do with your personal code of conduct. That's what David Brooks says in his book titled The Road to Character. Character, which is really another word for self-respect, is not won by comparing ourselves with others and, and saying, boy, I'm great. You know? No. Character is won by comparing ourselves with the person we used to be. Character, says Brooks, has to do with a perpetual struggle to be a better person. It's being able to say, I'm not everything I should be, but by the grace of God, I'm better today than I was yesterday. And that battle to be a better person may manifest itself in many ways. Let me give you an example of the difference between self-esteem and self-respect. There's a pastor who tells a story about two young couples who attended his church for, for quite a while. And the two men had been the best of friends for a long, long time. The two women also enjoyed being, being together and hanging out together. Well, one of the men, Joe, was a dynamic person, and he was physically handsome, and he took great care of himself. But Ben was just kind of an ordinary guy. He was a nice guy, but he wasn't really all that attractive to women in, in any way. And, and then one day, Ben's wife confided in this pastor that she couldn't help but to be attracted to Joe. And she said quite candidly, if Joe ever looked my way, he could have me at a moment's notice. Well, this was information that this pastor didn't want. <laughs> you know? This was a dangerous situation. But, the, but then Ben's wife added this. She said, of course, Joe would never take advantage of that since Ben is his friend. For that, she said, I really respect him. And so do we. Do you hear what I'm saying here? Are you a person who can be trusted by your friends, by your family, by your employees or your employer, by your church members? My friends, every time a person resists the temptation to betray his or her moral code, he or she boosts that feeling of self-respect. And any time you do or say something simply and solely because it's the right thing to say or do, or any time you refrain from doing something or saying something because it's the wrong thing to say or do, you boost your self-esteem, your self-respect. You see, every temptation is a test. And when you pass that test, you feel better about who you are. And so we've taught our young people to have a good self-esteem. And I hope that we have modeled for them what it means to have self-respect. We gain that respect from others, first of all, by respecting ourselves. The second step in gaining respect for ourselves is to respect others. Jesus calls us to respect all people, regardless of who they may be. I read about a man named uh, John Barrier who had a bad experience, and he didn't like the way a bank manager looked at him. 
The manager looked at him like he'd crawled out from under a rock because of his dirty work clothes. And so Barrier, who just wanted to his parking ticket validated, he, he took his money and he left. And it began when Barrier, who was, who was 59 years old, he went into his bank. He'd come from work. He was dirty. He was kind of grubby. He went into the bank to cash a $100 check. And when he tried to have his parking ticket validated to save him 60 cents, a receptionist refused to do that, saying that he hadn't conducted a transaction. She, she said he needed to make a deposit. Well, Barrier told her that he had been a customer at that bank for a long, long time, and so she looked at him like, so? So he asked to see the manager, who also refused to validate his ticket. And so Barrier went to the bank headquarters, vowing to withdraw his money unless the manager apologized, and no one called. And so the next day he went back to the bank and withdrew over $2 million dollars. Barrier said, I don't care if you have $100 in the bank or a million dollars in the bank. I think they owe you the courtesy of stamping your parking ticket. It doesn't matter who you are. And he's right. One of the keys to gaining respect for yourselves is to show respect for others. And when that bank manager didn't show respect for this humble-looking customer the respect that he was due, he in turn lost that customer's respect. The fact is that you receive that which you give in this world. And I think that's probably what Jesus meant when he told us to do unto others as we want them to do unto us. So the second step in gaining respect is to respect others. And the third step in gaining respect is to do your very best in everything you do. I like something that uh, comedian Steve Martin said about success in show business. He said, be so good that they can't ignore you. (laughs) Be so good that they can't ignore you. Folks, let me tell you something. Slackers, they, they make good buddies but they don't win respect. And as Paul says in 2 Timothy, he's giving advice to his young young man who Paul uh, is his mentor, I guess you could say. He's giving this advice to Timothy, and he said, do your best. Be a worker who does not need to be ashamed. And, of course, he's speaking about the work of, min, of ministry, but, but I think that it applies to every vocation, anything that we do. Do your best in everything that you do, for then you will never have to feel ashamed. For, you see, shame above all other things robs us of our self-respect, which in turn makes it difficult for us to win the respect of others. So conduct yourself professionally. Hold yourself to high standards, and before long you will sense that other people respect you as well. Tommy Nelson, in his book titled The Twelve Essentials of Godly Success, tells about Oscar Hammerstein, who was once asked about why he worked so hard to perfect 
the lyrics in his songs. And, and he answered that question by telling the story of, of seeing a photograph of the Statue of Liberty taken from a helicopter. He was amazed to see the sculptor's detail on Lady Liberty's hairdo. <laughs> because that, now think about this, folks. That statue was made in 1886, long before anyone ever thought about having the capability of flying overhead to check on his handiwork. So why would someone spend so much time working on the top of the head of a 180-foot statue? Someplace where nobody would ever see it. Well, it's because Frederick Bartholdi, the Frenchman who, who made this statue, he knew that liberty was grand and glorious, and he was not willing to do a half-hearted job. And so Hammerstein realized that if Bartholdi could do his work with excellence for the concept of liberty, then he could do his music well for his audience. And so he strived for perfection and greatness in everything he did. My friends, earning the respect of others is not easy. At the first of his ministry, even Jesus was disrespected by his family and the people of his own hometown. But there are three simple things that each of us can do to win the respect of others. First of all, respect yourself. Live out your highest values. Secondly, respect others. Treat everyone the way you want to be treated. And finally, do the best that you can do in everything that you do. Do your best to be a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Don't be like Rodney Dangerfield. Get the respect you deserve by living the life that you we're called to live. Loving God, loving yourself, and loving your neighbor. Amen. You know, one thing I admire about Jesus, well, there's a, a lot. <laughs> but one of the things I really admire about Jesus is that And, you know, it said in the Bible, I'm, I'm backing up. I'm going to start another sermon here. <laughs> it, it said in the Bible that Jesus was no respecter of persons. And what they meant by that, what, what it meant by that was that he doesn't, he doesn't judge this person because this person has a lot of money any differently than he judge, judges this person who has no money. So in that respect, Jesus is no respecter of, per, of persons. But what I was about to say is one of the things I admire about Jesus is that Jesus is a respecter of all persons. Everybody. Everyone. No matter who they are. No matter how high and mighty they are or how lowly they are. No matter how wonderful and saintly they are or how sinful they are. We are all loved and cared for by Jesus. And you know what? 
we are called to live that life as well. I told you I was going to start a new sermon. But it'll be a short one. And what that means is that we are to walk this journey of life ourselves in the footsteps of Jesus. Being a respecter of everyone, just like Jesus was. So let's sing that song. 483, Footsteps of Jesus. from here in the spirit and power of Jesus Christ to share the good news, to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And as you go from here, fulfilling Christ's mission, know that you are a child of God. And as such, you are due all the respect of royalty. Go, showing respect to all others you see, seeing that they too are God's children and royal creatures. Go, fulfilling the mission that God has given to us, and the living Christ will be with you now and always. Amen.